Brother Mike, how we doing? Come on, come on. It's good to be with you. Uh, every now and then, as a dad, it's, it's amazing to have a weekend of nothing, okay? Very, very rare, these weekends. But every now and then, you get to kind of Friday afternoon, and there's nothing going on. And the way that I view these rare opportunities is, is just a time to say yes, Okay, so whatever the kids want to do, as, as long as it's not sin or crazy, she's like, yes, you know. And uh, so they're like, Daddy, can we go to the park? Like, yes, let's go to the park. You know, can we play outside? You've got it. Let's go play outside. Uh, can we go to the mall? We're going to the mall. Daddy, can we have donuts for breakfast? Why not? Donuts for breakfast. Can we, can we have lunch at McDonald's? Sure, you know, why not? We had donuts for breakfast. Might as well. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and so we're just, you know, can we play outside with the, the remote control cars? Let's do it. Let's play. And, uh, and then it was like, can we, can we go camping? I don't know about that. <laughs> it's cold outside. But, but, what if, but what if we put up the tent in the living room and we got this light that shines stars on the ceiling and we'll camp in the living room? Yes, we'll do it. Let's go. And so we just, just come on. Anything I can do to love and to care and to serve them. And, uh, and so... Sunday evening rolls around. It's time to get ready for school the next day. So I set out clothes. I, I, a good father looks at the weather. I see that it's this schizophrenic Texas weather. It's going to be 41 degrees in the morning, 85 degrees in the afternoon. And so I'm thinking, good dad, I'm thinking layers. Let's go layers here, okay? Got a tank top, cute pink gap hoodie. Zip, you can zip it off later, take it off in the afternoon when it's 85. And so I set out some clothes. So my, my seven-year-old daughter at the time comes down uh, for breakfast, and she's wearing this thick sweater with a bird on it. Like, that's what she has on, this, like, thick, permanent parka. And uh, I'm like, that's not what I set out for you to wear. She says, I know, I want to wear this. I'm like, no, 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 it, it's going to be hot later. You need to wear the Gap hoodie, okay? Go, go put the Gap hoodie on. Says, Daddy, I, why can't I wear what I want to wear? Like, why, why do you, listen, it's my clothes. Why can't I wear, I want to wear what I want to wear. I'm like, whoa, come on, remember the weekend, the donuts and the McDonald's and the, the camping and then, they, like, you, I didn't build trust with you? Like, now you want to fight me for what, about the, the bird sweater? What? You know? And she said, I want to wear what I want to wear. She said, I'm wearing this. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Let me be abundantly clear. You're going to take that off, and you're going to put that on. And the reason I want you to put that on is because I love you, I care about you, I have information that you clearly don't have, and I want you to know that it's going to happen. You're, you're going to take that off, and you're going to put that on. And I realize that I can be just like my little girl. I want to wear what I want to wear. And sometimes guys say, no, no, no. You're going to take that off and you're going to put that on. I was raised in a, in a home where we got dressed up for church, right? You, you had to wear your Sunday's best, your church clothes. God cares about what you wear. And I want you to know that he does. But not your clothes. He calls you to be clothed in humility. He says, some of you are prideful. I want you to take that off, and I want you to put that on. And can I tell you something? You're going to do it. One way or another, 
you're going to put on humility. You will clothe yourself in humility or you will be humbled. That's really the call of the scripture and it's close to my heart. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. This was a life-saving passage for me. I say this experientially as someone who did not willingly clothe themselves in humility and God humbled me this past summer. That, that is a part of my story that I'll share with you today uh, as we move into the message. But a loving father, they care what their children wear. And God wants his children to be clothed in humility that we would take off pride and that we would put it on because the truth is, that wearing pride is not just going to lead to you being uncomfortable. It's going to lead to you being anxious, completely given to anxiety. It's going to lead to you falling into sin, being devoured by the enemy, and even death. And so a loving father would say, don't wear that. You're going to take that off and put on humility. I wrote this verse on my mirror this summer. So I would see it every day. I'd start every day with the passage we're going to be in, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. And if you're here and you're wondering, well, how do I know if I'm wearing pride? Let me ask you a few questions. Do you wonder, well, what, what are they going to think of me? What are they thinking of me? What are they saying about me constantly? Do you find value in your accomplishments or your abilities or your resources? Constantly seeking to be self-important. Do you seek to constantly control situations, concerned about your kids, worried about your boss, worried about what's next, wanting to control situations as much as you can? Do you feel anxious? Are you defensive when someone points out your sins? Or are you grateful? Or are you defensive when they say, hey, this is a growth area? Do you believe that you're unforgivable? Walking around, feeling all of the shame because of what you did, saying the cross was not good enough. It was not big enough to forgive me for my sins. That's prideful. Are you preoccupied with thoughts of yourself? That's the essence of pride. Thinking about yourself constantly, positioning yourself, trying to strategize. How do I get ahead? How do I move in with this person? How do I, you know, constantly thinking about how you get ahead? Or are you preoccupied with thoughts of serving others? That's biblical humility. Constantly thinking, hey, how do I use the resources that God has entrusted to me so that I can serve as many people around me as possible? C.S. Lewis says this about pride. According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind from mere Christianity. And so today we're talking about what are you wearing, pride or humility. And as we move through this section of 1 Peter 5, these five and a half verses, we're going to look at two things that happen when we wear pride. And before you leave here today, the incredible benefit of humility. And so I believe that the sin of pride is costing you intimacy with God, and more than that, it is costing you joy in this world, and that is why the Holy Spirit, through Peter, wrote this. All of you, 
all of you, everyone, listen up. There's no one exempt from this. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let's just pause for a second. Do you see, if you grew up in the church, if you've been in church long, do you see how many memory verses there are back to back to back to back to back to back? Clothe yourself in humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. These seem like new ideas. Humility, anxiety, Satan, but I want to show you today, I think they're tied together. So let's dive in just on this first section here. He says, all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. This is Proverbs 3, verse 34. It's James 4, 6. He's saying something really key that you've got to believe at a heart level that when you are prideful, you are standing in opposition to the most powerful force in the entire world, creator God. You are marking yourself as his enemy when you walk around saying, it's about me. Like you think about teams, like teams wear uniforms. And, and uniforms oppose each other. You identify the team by the uniform they wear. Pride is the uniform of the opposition. That's what it's saying. My, my daughter plays basketball, and we went the other day. She wears these penny jerseys, these reversible jerseys. And, and we show up, it has a white side and a purple side, and she's wearing white. And we show up to the game, and I see that all her team is in purple, and the other team is in white. And I say, well, you got to turn that around. You, you got to switch that around. You need to turn that inside out. Take off your jersey. She says, why? I say, because right now you're playing for the other team. You're on the wrong team right now. That's what some of us need to hear as we examine ourselves and we, we begin to think, yeah, I, I have been thinking about myself a lot. You're playing for the other team. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The first point is that wearing pride leads to anxiety. Wearing pride leads to anxiety. It's like a, a weighted vest that you might wear when working out. It, it might make you look bigger and stronger, but the truth is it's weighing you down. It's weighing you down. It's making everything more difficult. You come in here, you feel the stress of life. I gotta do this, I gotta get married, I, I gotta go here, I, I gotta be that, I gotta move there, I gotta buy that, I gotta experience that, I gotta go there and do that. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, and I gotta do it all right now, right now. I gotta, I gotta get that job and I gotta, I gotta make that much money and I gotta be that and have that many friends and I gotta get in that neighborhood and I gotta have kids and I gotta get kids, I gotta be successful. And God's like, what do I gotta do? Because I thought I had to care for you. I thought you were in my care. I thought that was my job. And you think you got to do it all right now. Well, what if you humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God so that in his timing he might lift you up? In his timing, whose timing? In his timing, he might lift you up. In the timing of God, in God's timing. 
hand of God, like sometimes when it feels like it's holding you back or like it's crushing you, it's actually protecting you. So that when he's ready, he can say, okay, experience this. This summer, I thought I had to do it all myself. I thought I was Superman. I thought I was invincible. I had heard about people getting burnt out and that for them. I don't even know what they're talking about. I can't even relate to that. You know, that a family member get sick and begin to care for them and, and help them all while a busy teaching schedule through the summer, taught 25 times in six weeks, and in the midst of that, got to sign a book deal, and so then I'm dealing with deadlines to try to write a book, and, and in, in the midst of that, went down to teach at a, a church in Austin and taught back to back to back, the three messages back to back to back, and then I was driving back from Austin in this large church on the west coast called and they're like hey we'd love for you to come teach here next Sunday I'm like this is amazing I'd love to to do that you know and all in the while I, I began to feel pride well up in me maybe you've been there maybe it's some accomplishment of yours that you've begun to focus on that you're like hey I want I really want that and when things start falling your way you're like yes I did yes I can yes I am I thought I was Superman I even told my community group I'm like you know what I read the story of Jacob the other day, and I just, I feel some pride in me, and you know, I know God knocked his hip out of socket, he walks with a limp now, would you guys just pray that the Lord would humble me? Oh man, be careful with that, okay? Um, Public service announcement. I went out to teach at Saddleback Church in in California, and the night before, I'm lying in my hotel room, and my heart is Ba-doom. Boom, 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 boom. Like, man, what's, what's wrong with my heart? What's wrong with me? Something's not right with my heart, man. I gotta, I gotta, what's wrong with my heart? And then I'm like, man, I gotta sleep. I gotta get up in front of a bunch of people tomorrow. I gotta sleep. I, I need to sleep. Something's wrong with my heart. I need to sleep. I, what's going on? And, and I get through the night and I get up the next day and I push through the messages and, and they're in this series there, Everyday Heroes, and they, they got a picture of Superman and the guy gets up after me and it's like, was that not amazing? That guy was, he, he reminds me of Superman. And I'm hearing that and I'm in the back room and I'm like, Superman, I can't even sleep. I can no buildings to leap over. I can't even sleep, man. What's wrong with me? I get on a plane, I fly back to Dallas and I, something's still not right. I go to the emergency room, like something's wrong with my heart. And, and all the while, these waves of anxiety, just overwhelming, this feeling of anxiety, like different than worry, like no target, just anxiety, overwhelming. And they hooked me up to EKGs and whatnot, and I said, yeah, your heart, it's not beating right. Some PVCs, premature ventricular contractions. Like, what's, gotta fix it, fix it. Are you, are you carrying too much? Are you stressed? I didn't know I was. But let me go ahead and put on some humility. It's the answer to prayer. See, the pride for me, it looked like a savior complex. I need to save everyone. I need to be in this situation. I need to control it. It, it. it looked like taking on more than I can handle, but not realizing it, even though 
that love me around me. I don't know that you got to do that. I don't know that you got to do that. I don't know that you need to be everywhere. But I, I, I felt like I did. It looked like finding identity in silly, worldly things like book deals and big churches. And the Lord humbled me. He said, you're going to wear this. You know why he did it? Because he loves me. Because he loves me. And I say it's better to wear the hand of God than anxiety. It may feel, you may feel held back, but better to wear the hand of God than anxiety. See, this verse, it reveals something very interesting and extremely unpopular. It, it, it highlights the idea that pride is the foundation to our anxieties. It, it reads like a new idea, then cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. But in the Greek, it's actually humble yourselves by casting your anxiety on him because he cares for you, all one thought. And if you're here and you struggle with anxiety, I know what you just thought. You just thought, good, that's not helpful. Well, here's why I think it might be helpful. One, is it true? If it's true, it's eventually helpful. And so here's why I think it could be helpful as someone who struggled with anxiety is anxiety is a hard ghost to fight. You can't always see what it is or where it's targeted or what it's caused by. But pride, which we all have, you can fight. You can begin to identify what am I finding identity in? Why, where am I seeking self-importance? What are idols in my life? You can begin to identify them and root them out. You can begin to take off pride and put on anxiety. And I believe that will help. I mean, put, I'm sorry, take off pride, put on humility. And I believe that will help with your anxiety. Don't put on anxiety. Throw that onto God. You hear me? Throw that on God like it's a coat rack. Take that off. You take that. I'm not going to wear that. Take it. Cast it off. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares about you. He does. But it doesn't say that. He, you're in his care. Whose care? The one who has everything and all power and glory and honor and your future is his. He sees tomorrow and the next day and the next day and a hundred years from now and a million years from now. He sees you. He says, be alert, verse 8, be alert in the sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Again, seems like a new idea. Okay. Humility, anxiety, your enemy, the devil. What? I, but it's connected. He's saying something really key. See if this is true. That your anxieties are the pen that the enemy plays in. That he knows what you're worried about. Oh, yo, yo, you, you want to control your kids. Okay, let me give you some situations to try to control them. And I'll make them uncontrollable. How about that? You want to try that? What about this? He's just batting you. That the things that, oh, yo, you worried about success, huh? Okay, let me sh shaky job situation. What about this? What about this? What about this? And he's just batting you around. Oh, you want to control everything. Let's see how you do with that. Just gets in that playpen. Let's play. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Second point, wearing pride leads to sin. Wearing pride leads to sin, but sin is such a vanilla word. I think we see sin and, ah, sin. No, no. Wearing pride leads to being devoured. You're going to be eaten like lunch. Keep going. It's 
going to lead to being devoured. You guys remember that um, Lady Gaga in 2010 at the MTV Music Awards? She wore that meat dress. Anybody remember? Who remembers that? Okay, good. Like three of you. Awesome. And so let me show you. There it is. So that's not a dress that looks like meat. She's wearing a ribeye. I mean, that, that is meat. She's wearing meat, okay? That's a steak on her head, all right? Now, now imagine Lady Gaga in the cage with the lion. How's that going to go? That's what's going on when you're wearing pride. When you begin to think, I can, I got it, I will, I'm the man, I'm the woman, I'm super mom, I got this. You're going to get eaten like lunch. He's like, this is going to be fun. You hear me? Pride goes before the fall. Right? He's a hungry lion. That's interesting to me. Because then you have an option. You know what you can do? You cannot feed him. He's like a stray cat. What happens when you feed a stray cat? They found a home. Right? Now, oh, this this place is where I get fed. I'm going to keep hanging around here. Give me a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Right? But if you starve me, like, no, 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 no. There's nothing to eat here. I'm not doing that. I'm not looking at that. I'm not going there. I'm not thinking that. He's like, all right, well, I guess I'll find someone else to mess with. I got to eat. Right? And when I don't eat, I become weak. And when I'm weak, you can resist me. So don't feed him. You have a choice. You can feed him or not. See, Satan, the devil, the enemy, he works like Netflix. Satan and Netflix, they're the same. Uh, if you're not familiar with Netflix, YouTube, Amazon, they all work the same. It's, it's, you, you've seen it, right? Oh, you watched that? What about this? You, you hear me? Oh you, oh, you looked at that. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Oh, I see you like Friends. What about Seinfeld? What about this sitcom? What about this sitcom? Oh, you watched Stranger Things season one. What about season two? You like scary things? What about this? Oh, you like horror films? What about this film? What about this horror film? What about this horror film? Oh, 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 oh. Oh, you like to look at people naked. What about this? What about this? What about this? And all of a sudden, everywhere you look, you see temptation because you fed something, an appetite. You know what happens when you feed something? It grows. It's the lie of one last time. I'm going to look one last time. No, you fed an appetite, and the appetite got bigger, and now the next time's difficult. I'm going to control my kids just this one last time. No, you're not. You just became more controlling. You fed something. I'm going to buy this thing one last time. I'm going to feed my materialism one last time. No, you just became more materialistic. See what happened? You fed the lion, and it got stronger. And he sees now you're the place, you're the source of food. But what happens when you begin to starve him? He gets weaker. Now you, you go somewhere else on there. Oh, I see you watched that sermon. What about this sermon? You read that verse. What about this verse? What about this verse? What about this verse? Oh, you love God's people. What about these people? And these people will fill your life with the things of God. There's, there's something you can do. See, I experienced this uh, in my own life. I was, if we don't know each other, I was a slave to pornography. A slave to pornography for years and years and years. And you know what it felt like being a slave to pornography? It was everywhere I looked. I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't escape it. Like it, my computer was infected with it. And the pop-ups would come up at the most inopportune time. Emails would come from sources. There's a pipe into my life and there's just pornography coming in. Every turn on the TV, there it is. Go see a movie, there it is. Everywhere, I couldn't get away from it. So I thought. 
in the grocery store, oh, there's a picture, magazine, oh, there it is. Everywhere, I'm surrounded by it. I thought I'd just struggle the rest of my life. Never being able to get away from it. And then I became a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit comes into my life. And now after 12 years of sobriety, I, I realized to, to see pornography would take effort. I'd have to seek it out. I'd have to find it. I'd have to jump over some, some barricades and run through some walls. There, there's freedom. It's more difficult. Because I began to fill my life with other things. And so recovery starts with humility. It starts with asking for help, relying on the body of believers for strength, understanding that you're not alone in the fight. Like right now, right now, like if you feel alone in the fight, right now, I don't even know if you know this, there's people in another room praying for you right now. Every message, on the first Friday of every month, that's called the engine room. And then the first Friday of every month, we meet in the chapel and we pray for the body. You're all invited. The first Friday of every month in the chapel at noon, you can fast from lunch and pray with us. There's the body of Christ praying for you that you'd be free from your sin. You're not alone in the fight. See, you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings, verse 9. Here's what it's saying is that your struggles, listen, listen, listen. Your struggles are not unique. They feel unique. You feel like the only one. That's how the enemy works. Tries to get you alone. Beat you up. You're the only mom that's so concerned about their kid. You're the only dad that's so concerned about money. You're the only person so afraid of being single their whole life. You're the only one. You're all alone. No, you're not. Whole family of believers struggling just like you are. You say, how can you say pornography? Some of you got so uncomfortable. Preachers talking about pornography. You know how you say it? Because I know you struggle just like I do. Verse 9. You got the same struggles, same kind of struggles. And if it's not porn, it's something else just as gross. And if you're rolling through the Rolodex, you're like, man, I don't think so. Nope, nope, not me. Yours is self righteousness. And it's just as gross. It's just as gross. You got to know that. It's just as gross. It, it requires the same payment, the blood of Jesus Christ. You need the same payment I do. You got to find the same freedom I did. It's just as gross. No temptation has seized you, as 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to mankind. And you think you're so unique, but man, you don't understand, JP. You don't understand how badly I want to get married. You don't understand how bad my marriage is. You don't understand what it's like to have a prodigal and I can't control and they've gone away and I don't know what to do. You don't understand. You don't, your kids aren't like mine or, or this situation. You don't have my boss and this is so hard and I just want empathy. Can't you give me empathy? You're surrounded by empathy. There's people within three chairs of you that are struggling just like you are. Happens every, every Tuesday. I come up here and so often I have the same experience. I meet with people afterwards. Somebody comes up and they're, hey man, Hey, you mind if I talk to you over here? Man, we, we can talk right here, buddy. What's up? Oh, there's just so many people around. I know, it's okay. What's, what's going on? Man, I, just, I don't even know if I can say it out loud. Okay, let me, let me pray for courage. God, would you give my friend courage to verbalize, to say out loud what has them struggling right now? Would you give them courage? All right, man. Uh, JP, man, I, I struggle with, uh, with same-sex attraction. I'm all alone in this. Man, listen, I love you. God loves you. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for the courage to say that. 
let me, let me, let's talk about what that looks like for you. Let's talk about getting you connected with some other people. Here, let's talk about some, let me give you some resources. Hey, let me pray for you. And they leave and the next person comes up. Hey, man, can I talk to you over here? We're talking right here. What's going on, man? Let's, let's just talk. I mean, it's okay. I know it's scary. Listen, what's up? I don't even know if I can say that loud. Just, just let me pray for you for courage. All right, man. I struggle with homosexuality, same-sex attraction. I'm the only one. No, you're not that guy right there. See him? He just left. He does too. Same, same thing. Over and over and over. That's just an example, okay? I'm just using one example that, that might feel like it takes more courage than others, okay? The reality of it is whatever you struggling in, wherever you're at, wherever the enemy's beating you up, putting you in a cage, surrounding you with your anxieties, listen, there's others around you struggling in the same ways. Would you tell your story? And would you find the freedom? I know that it takes courage. I know that it takes courage. And you're like, well, what do I do? What can I do? Give me something practical. Here's, here's something practical. What, what makes you love God more? And do more of that. Is it, is it listening to sermons? Is it praying? Is it being in nature? Is it reading the Bible or reading other Christian books? Is it watching movies? Is it listening to worship music? Is it dancing? What stirs your affections for Jesus? Do more of that. Begin to fill your life with those things. Is it being around his people, friends, on the back of a patio, on a sunny day? Do that. Because as, as, as God grows, as you feed those affections and you begin to love God more, your struggles are going to decrease. They're going to become smaller. They're going to become controllable. Okay, the Holy Spirit can handle them. John the Baptist prayed that, right? John 3.30, I pray that you would increase and that I would in decrease. I pray, I pray that you would become greater and I become smaller. Pray that. God, would you grow in my life, feed the things of God in your life, that they would grow bigger than your sin. My third point, wearing humility is always appropriate, right? Like with that thing that my daughter wanted to wear, I'm like, that's not appropriate. It's not appropriate dress for the weather. That's not appropriate dress for today. You, you need to, to dress appropriately. Humility is always appropriate for every meeting at school with teachers, your children, any parenting situation, every work meeting, any interactions with your boss, any interactions with your employees or your employer. The right thing for you to wear to that meeting is humility. It's always humility. It's always appropriate. It's like that, that, um, that little black dress, you know, that you can wear to the funeral and the wedding and the cocktail dinner and it just, it, you look great in it. And yeah, you, if you can't find anything else, just go for the LBD, right? Like that, that thing. Guys are lost right now. Let me go, um, uh, that button down shirt that you got tailored, that one that fits you just right, your, your favorite, you can wear it with a suit or with jeans. You look great in it, should be illegal in 49 states. That shirt, that's humility. Humility looks great on everyone. Humility looks great on everyone. But listen, it's not just that it looks great. It's not just that it's attractive. Because you know that it is. If you have a, a humble friend, that's who you want to be with. That's who you want to spend time with, right? 
you, you want to hang out with that friend. They, they always, you know, you meet with them, and they're like, let's talk about you. Man, you just had a birthday, right? What did you do? And they make you feel like the only person in the world. You want to be around them. They text you the most encouraging text messages. You get those phone calls at just the right time. You know why they do that? Because they're thinking less of themselves and more of you. you you've heard that humility is not just thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. But it's also thinking of others more or thinking more of others, like, like taking the resources that you have. That They're not seeking self-importance. They're seeking how to make you feel important. Considering others more important than yourself, Philippians 2. It's, it's not just attractive friends. It's powerful. It's powerful. I want to, for just a moment, just overwhelm you with the benefits of, of humility that we've already covered. This will be a recap. And, and don't even try, you don't have to memorize these or anything. I just want you to see a bunch of benefits and be overwhelmed by them. That's, that's really what I want to do for just a minute. These will be in the sermon application guide you can find online afterwards or in the current. But let's just review for a minute. When, when, with humility... We receive God's favor. He shows favor to the humble, verse five. With humility, we're protected by the hand of God under the hand, mighty hand of God, verse six. With humility, we can trust his timing. He'll lift you up in his timing, verse six. With humility, we're not anxious. We could cast our anxieties on him. With humility, we understand the love of God. That's an incredible benefit. If you can just understand how much God loves you, he's crazy about you. He knows you better than anybody has ever no known you, and he loves you more than anyone has ever loved you. That's such a beautiful thing. With humility, we can resist the devil. We don't have to feed him, verse 9. With humility, we can have a right view of sin. That, that our pride is foundational to our sin and that the family of believers throughout the world suffer with us, verse nine. And verse 10, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him, not you, to him, not them, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With humility, we have eternal glory. That, that salvation, you becoming a Christian, you getting to go to heaven forever, you know how it started? With humility. It started with you saying, I need someone to save me. I can't save myself. I'm not big enough or strong enough or smart enough to save myself. God's gonna have to come here. And he did. And he saved you. And so with humility, you get eternal glory. Like if you're going somewhere, you think about what you're going to wear, right? My wife's birthday was Friday. And, uh, and I was going to take her somewhere for dinner. And as we got closer, she was like, you got to tell me where we're going. I'm like, it's a surprise. I'm not going to tell you where we're going. She's like, you have to tell me where we're going because I need to know what to wear. Because where we're going depends on what I wear. And, and sometimes what I'm wearing depends on where we go. And so what I'm saying is that those of you, you know where you're going? You know where you guys are going? You're going to heaven. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins, you're going to heaven. And you know what you wear to heaven? The humility of Christ. Humility is the dress code of the kingdom. 
And so you represent the kingdom here wearing humility. With that, we have, with humility, we have restored resolve. He's going to restore you. The God of all grace will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You have restored resolve to live, restored resolve to worship, restored resolve to fight sin with humility. Man, I, I told you I was like getting eaten like lunch with pornography, and, and I thought I'd, I'd be slave to it forever. And, and I, I became a Christian, and I began to fall in love with Jesus and God's word. And I can remember this one particular day. I would, I would drive down 635 every day after work, and there was this, this billboard of this adult bookstore, and on the billboard was this woman that was, was both beautiful and, and wearing hardly anything. And, and so on my way home after work, I'd look at that, and I'd think perverted thoughts, because that's what sinners do when they're not given to the Holy Spirit. And I look at that and I'd, I'd think perverted thoughts every day after work. And on, and on this one particular day, I become a Christian. I'm growing in love with Jesus. I'm growing in love with his word. And I'm driving down 635 and that billboard is coming close to me and I can feel it in my flesh. I know it's there. And on this particular day, I say, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. What I have with Jesus is too good. I don't want to compromise intimacy with Christ I'm not going to feed you, Satan. You can starve to death for all I care. I'm not going to feed you. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to think of that. I'm going to reflect on the things of God, whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, whatever's noble, things that are excellent and praiseworthy. You can starve. With humility, we know where the power lies. Who has the power? Who has the power? It's God. To him be the power forever and ever and ever and ever. This is the essence of, of you becoming humble. Understanding there's a God and you're not him. You're merely a road sign that points to him. That's humble. You're a road sign. You become smaller. You have a little life here. A little life here. And you use it to point to him. That others would come to know him. You don't have to be the king here. You know the king here. And you're not him. You can stop building your sandcastles of kingdoms that are going to be washed away. And begin to worship the one who has an eternal kingdom. And has invited you into it. And so take a deep breath. And stop striving so hard to get ahead in this Temporary world. And just in practically. And do practically. It's going to take some time and space. So when you filled your life and you don't have contemplative moments, you don't have time and space to think and reflect, you, you won't be humble. But in the same way that you think about what you're going to do and you prepare for it. Like all of you, you, you thought about what you put on today, right? You, you looked at the day, what do I have, where am I going? Let me dress appropriately. 
Humility works the same way. You look at your day and you think, what do I need to, like if you're like, it's gonna be cold today, I need to put on a coat, or it's Texas summer, I'm gonna be outside, I need to wear some sunscreen. That, those are thoughtful decisions. In the same way, you look at your day with the wisest man, I've, one of the wisest men I've ever met, and, and one of the godliest men I've ever known, he's a shepherd here, he, he said this. He said, you know what, I'll, I'll look at my Microsoft Outlook calendar, and I'll consider the meetings I have, and I'll look at that one, I'll say, you know what, for that one I need to wear a lot of humility. And for that one, that's really going to take some, how much humility am I going to need to wear to prepare for those meetings? And so the way that I wear humility is understanding who God is and beginning to ask questions. How can I serve the people that I'm in the meeting with? How can I represent the kingdom, the eternal kingdom? How can I represent an eternal God in that meeting? And then why might God have me, a sovereign God? Why might he, he have me in that meeting? What, what could he be doing? And begin to think about that in preparation for those meetings with your kids, meetings with their teachers, meetings with your boss, meetings with employees. And begin to put on dressing yourself, clothing yourself in humility. And so in summary, wearing pride leads to anxiety. Wearing pride leads to being devoured. Wearing humility is always appropriate. and has many, many benefits. It's powerful. My son, Weston, was four years old. He was, he was sitting all curled up on the, the hearth of the fireplace. He had his, had his feet up there and his arms wrapped around. I saw him. He was just deep in thought for a four-year-old, you know, just thinking about something. I'm on the couch, and he looks over at me, and he says, Daddy, we need to talk. And I'm thinking, this is not just going to be the typical, you know, monster trucks conversation. Um, I said, what's up, buddy? I go over to the hearth of the fireplace. I curl up with him and sit beside him. I said, look at him. And I said, what's up, buddy? Eyes welling with tears, just tormented at this point, man. And he said, Daddy, I don't know why I do what I do. I said, what do you mean, bud? He said, well, the, the good I, I want to do, I don't do. And the bad things I, I don't want to do, those are the things I keep on doing. I'm like, did you memorize Romans 7? You know, I'm like, <laughs> mind blown right now. He doesn't even know he's quoting scripture. And, and, uh, and I just see the angst in him. I can relate to that angst. And I said, but buddy, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here, son. See, whenever you're going through life and you have some challenges, and you're worried about something, you could come to me and we can talk about it. He said, daddy, this really has me anxious. I'm really really concerned about this. I continue to have these conversations in my head. I, I keep thinking about the same thing over and over and over and over and over, and I, I need your help. It's such a humbling thing. I need your help. Daddy, I, I'm, I'm giving in to sin in this way. The enemy, he's, he's beating me. He, he's winning here. He's feeding here in my life, and, and I need help. Such a humbling I need help. Is this not what God wants from you and me? That we would come to the creator who cares for you? And then we say, Daddy, we need to talk. <laughs> we finished up and he said, Daddy, I'm, I'm really glad we had this conversation. He said, I'm really glad we had this talk. 
conversation is a big word for a four-year-old. I'm really glad we had this talk. And I said, I'm really glad you're my son. He said, I'm really glad you're my daddy. Isn't that the position God wants from us? I'm really glad I'm in your care. I need your help. I've got some anxieties. Can I throw them at you? I've got some struggles. Can I give them to you? Can you handle them? I want you to know he can. I want you to know he can. Let me pray for you. Father, would you just please, God, in your mercy, help us to be thoughtful with the sins that we have and the anxieties that we carry. Father, would you give us victory over the enemy, the victory that we've received through the cross, would you allow us to have experientially, Father, in this broken world that we live in, and God, as we stand on a foundation of pride, would you help us to rebuild on a foundation of humility? Would you help us to take off pride and the anxieties that we wear and to put on humility? And Lord, thank you that a loving Father does that for us when we don't do it on our own. It's a gift. Thank you for that gift. Help us to see it as a gift. Father, we love you with our whole hearts and we worship you now because this passage ends in worship. And God, we worship you now. We end in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.